what up everybody and welcome to another episode of the black expat podcast my name is carl and i am excited to be rocking with you guys for yet another episode we are officially a week into 2021 i hope everyone has had an amazing first five days we're going to take yesterday what happened in america and just you know put that in a little bitty box and throw it somewhere in the river except the exciting part about finally getting our new president and vice president confirmed uh so yeah hope everyone's had an amazing 2021 thus far i as always i'm very excited to be joined today by a very special guest as i promised you guys you'll get a much you'll get a mix of me doing my own podcast and having very special unique amazing guests from all over the world not just in taiwan not just in you know spain and africa but also people back home in america who are doing amazing things and things that also affect expats and i will get into more of that in an upcoming episode but today i will be joined by my fraternity brother Ooh, shout out to 586 fraternity incorporated and friend longtime friend and someone who's doing amazing work in the great state of indiana and beyond but today i'm excited to welcome thomas Nealon to the podcast so once he's ready to call in we'll jump right into my interview with him uh, about poetry and about some of the nonprofit work he's doing and about being in school still uh, you know going back to, to better yourself something that i'm not gonna lie i've always thought about like man should i go back to school but if you listen to my podcast previously you already know i'm not with that but I do appreciate, understand, and, you know, proud of people who actually do go back uh, to better themselves and learn more, depending on what you're studying. So, again, once Thomas is ready to call into the podcast, we'll get the interview started. Now, my New Year's resolution, as you guys know from my previous episode, was to just keep going forward with podcasting. So if you have not already, do me a favor. Share this podcast on your on your Facebook, on your Instagram, or somewhere so more people can find out about it. But less of that, more of talking to Thomas. Hey, Thomas, how are you? Good evening there. Is it evening time? It, it is evening. Dark evening. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is 1030, a bright 1030 a.m. I have my bourbon and tea right next to me. How are you doing today where you are? I'm good, man. Uh, I'm in Indiana, middle of the Midwest. Nothing but corn. Um, corn and, and, and snow every so often. So... Uh, yeah, man, I'm doing good. Oh, that's good to hear. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. If you don't mind, I just want to jump right into the interview. Can you start by introducing yourself, a little bit about your background, um, what, some and some of the things that you're doing currently uh, in the world? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, first, I want to thank you for having me on. Um, my name is Thomas Neeland. Uh, I am a poet, an author, a father, a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, go my, um, and I am... <laughs> the founder and executive director of the Neyland Center for Poetry, also editor-in-chief of the Elevation Review, which I'm sure we'll get into just a little bit later. Uh, I've also published, published, I've also published three books of poetry uh, and am working on the fourth to be released by the end of 2021. Well, that was 
a lot of amazing things you just spit out there. Again, I'm really excited. I've been following you and your work for a long time, as you already know. So I'm really excited to just dive in through, dive into your creative process, how you got started with many things that you've been doing. But before we get into that, um, how is life for you? Is everything going okay with, with COVID? Is your family doing well? Um, and how have you been able to continue working on the many products that you've put together um, since COVID has started last year? Absolutely. Um, so uh, first, first and foremost, uh, my family's good. Um, I haven't heard any news about anyone, including myself, uh, being uh, exposed to COVID. So that's a blessing in itself. Um, also, my fiance and her kids are all doing OK and her family's doing fine. So uh, it, it's been a pretty it's, it's been a blessing all 2020 in terms of that. Um, but, you know, for you know, my organization and stuff like that, things have had to shift a little bit um, and switch to some virtual platforms. Um, but uh, because I am a little tech savvy, that that wasn't <laughs> wasn't that much of a, you know, of a um, of a barrier for us. So I wouldn't say necessarily that the poetry has shifted or, you know, or changed. I mean, of course, I've been, you know, writing about COVID and writing about you know, the racial injustice and all that crap that we're seeing on TV and you know across the world. So, um, but other than that, everything has been pretty good. Um, as far as like sustaining my writing and being able to continue, you know, like programming and stuff like that, I recently let go of or resigned from a job and accepted a new one, uh, which allows me to work from home full time and uh, write all day basically so i'm i'm still in the i'm still i'm able to contribute more time to writing um thank you thank you thank you you guys are too kind thank you um yeah so i've i've been able to devote more time to writing uh thus more time to poetry and you know doing the work that i actually want to do so uh poetry has definitely become uh, my full-time passion, uh, and now I get to do that full-time through the Neyland Center and the Elevation Review. Yeah. So where did your passion for poetry come from? Like, was this something that you've been doing since high school or elementary school and that you kind of carried through into college and on into your adult life? Or did you kind of discover it when you were in university and you, you took a class that kind of inspired you? So like, where, did your, where does your passion for poetry come from? You know, I was in high school... Um, I was in the marching band in high school, and so we went to Mardi Gras uh, to to march in the parade or whatever. And I and I remember having this folder full of like song lyrics <laughs> because I thought I was gonna, you know, submit it and turn it into Def Jam Records or the Atlantic Records or whatever. And um and and my and like when we got back from the trip, I couldn't find the dog on folder. So I was like, man, my life, my my dreams are shattered. Like there's no you know, I'm going to go back to studying biology and be a doctor one day. Um, and so I didn't really write after that. Like that was 10th grade, 10th or 11th grade. And then by the time I got to college, you know, I thought I was going to major in biology. And uh, my first semester at, at DePaul University was super trash um, <laughs> because, because of like grades and stuff. It was just, like my first semester was terrible. I went from being a 3.9 to a 2.0 and I was like, no, something's got to change. So I I ended up enrolling in a creative writing course my second semester of freshman year. Um, and I started writing poetry in that class. Um, and I could have chosen anything else to write. Like I could have written plays or 
novels or nonfiction or fiction or whatever. Um, but something about poetry stood out to me. Um, and I think it was because like, I, th- I think it was because like there are, you can read in between the lines, uh, between the lines of poetry to figure out what the meaning is. Um, mm. And so because of that, I started writing very abstractly and then I learned very quickly <laughs> that I need to write, that I needed to write more concretely um, in order for people to understand what I was actually trying to say. So I spent the rest of my undergrad time studying poetry um, and you know, by senior year, I had my thesis done. I mean, my sem- senior seminar done. And my professor told me, yo, you need to publish these damn poems. Um, Joe Heidhouse, I'll never forget it. He said, you need to publish these damn poems. He told me exactly where to go. And I didn't publish them until four years later. Um, and so, uh, you know, what for me, poetry is like my way of getting out what I have to say, and then also helping people to understand that my voice needs to be heard. And that actually pours into the very next question. Thomas, are you still there? I am still here. Okay. Yeah. That pours to my next question. Cause one of the things that I know uh, creative people like, and, and myself included that uh, a conversation I've always have about when I talk to other people who have, who have a voice or who are great at creating things, and I'm like, man, why don't you share these things with the world? And, and oftentimes I'm met with a lot of different responses. So when I hear you say, it took me four years to publish my poetry, my first question is, why did it take so long? But also, um, I know you also published three novels since then, um, you know, since you also published your poetry. Um, and my question is, is you know, when did you discover that, you know what, hey, what I have to say has merit first. What I say needs to be heard by other people. And this is important. Like, when did you have that moment where it kind of clicked for you? It was like, you know what? What I'm creating needs to be shared. And I, and not only it needs to be shared, but I actually want to share it, right? Because a lot of people have things yeah. that they could share. That's great. That's amazing. They share with their close friends and family, but they never really put it out there for the world to see for a variety of different reasons. But what was that moment where you realized, you know what? I'm going to share these things, my talents, my passion with the world. Yeah. So it, this is going to take a, a dark turn very quickly but it's gonna be very short. Um, so in 2008, in 2018, uh, my divorce was finalized. I got married in 2015, uh, had a kid, she's adorable. And um, then I got divorced right after she turned one. Um, for some very toxic uh, reasons that I just needed to escape from. Um, and so I spent a lot of time just being like really angry, um, hmm. just angry at, my ex-spouse or whatever. And um, I didn't really, I lost a lot of myself. Um, and January, in January, the divorce was finalized. So about three years ago to this date, um, my divorce was finalized. And so um, a couple months after that, I it, it dawned on me that I should probably be putting my writing out there. Like, to be completely honest, like I had completely forgotten that I'd even written poetry. Like I hadn't checked it because also in that time I left uh, an MFA program for poetry because I was, you know, um, trying to take care of my family under some pretense that didn't really exist. Um, And so uh, I had completely forgotten, like, 
what my passions were, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, but I ended up uh, coming across, I was unpacking some papers and out of the papers came my senior seminar um, project, my compilation of poems that the same ones that Hyde House told me to publish fell out of a folder. And I was like, man. And I sat there and I read it. And and after I read it, I was like, man, I need to go ahead and publish this. So I spent like the next month um, editing and putting all my stuff together to make sure I can publish it successfully. And you know, put it out for the world to see uh, as my first book. And I was proud of it. Now, uh, where where wanting my voice to be heard comes in is with my second book, um, which is called Uncaged, if I can touch on that for a second. <clears throat> yeah. So Uncaged, Breathing in Public um, was a is a book that very... Uh, very concretely describes my time during my divorce, the, the physical abuse, the emotional abuse, uh, my anger that came along with it. Um, but also it references how I came out of it. Um, and so I didn't really come out of like all that anger and stuff until like early 2019. Um, and and by the by October of 2019, I had Uncaged published. Um, I'd been working on it, but I you know I put it away for a while because I was like, man, what if what if nobody wants to hear this? What if nobody really cares? What if they think I'm just being overdramatic? And then one day during the summer of 2019, I was just like, F it. I said what I said. Here it is. It's in a book. Somebody's gonna read it, and and here we are, almost two years later. And tons of people have bought my book. Tons of people have read the eBooks already, um, and like it's because I finally decided that you know my voice needed to be heard, and um, that what I have to say actually has you know purpose. Um, and if I can answer your first question that you asked me, why did it take so long to publish the first one? Um, you know. I've come to to the conclusion that sometimes you need to go through other things in order to come back to that one thing. Um, like if you, like if you apply for a job somewhere and that's like your dream job, but you don't have any of the experience, like you're just going in on luck, and and somebody says, "Yeah, we don't think you're a good fit uh, at this time." The key word is at this time. So like maybe there's like some other things you need to go through. Maybe there's some failures you need to experience. Maybe there's some jobs that you don't really want that you actually need in order to get you to the point of that of having that dream job. And the same thing with writing, writing my book like I like if I hadn't gone through those those um, we'll call them trials. If I hadn't gone through those trials, I wouldn't have. You know, had the audacity. I wouldn't have had the the audacity or the fearlessness to put my book out there. You know what I mean? Mm. And you know, um, I can definitely. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, and I was gonna say for for those who are listening, like if you're if you're that type of person who's felt that way, like you you have books, notebooks filled with poetry, and and you're sitting on them. 
now is a great time to release them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> now is a great time to release them. Uh, they're, they're, this is the time where emotions have like just been put out on the, on the, on the front line um, because there's no time to waste. And I was in this group on Clubhouse a couple weeks ago um, and the one of the moderators said like his friend died and had like a whole book written, but he hadn't published it. And that really struck me because I'm like, man, I really don't have time, you know, um, mm. we're not in control of it. And so like what happens? I've written what happens if I've written this book for fathers who need to who need the same support that I needed during my divorce? What if I don't publish that book? Like what if I'm gone before then? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I have to work as hard as I can to get that book out. So like if you're a person who's listening, like don't worry about what it looks like or how it sounds. Like edit that shit. Excuse my language. Edit that shit and put it out there because there's somebody who's waiting on it. There's like at least 10,000 people waiting on your piece of writing because they don't and have, you know, they, they may not have the space to do it themselves. And I can definitely relate to that. Um, and well relate and, and, and understand that in a lot of ways, because I mean, if we really look at history, uh, 2020, like 2020 was a dark year for most of us. But throughout history, if you look at the roaring 20s, if you look at the years after the Depression and things like that, these were like booming times for creatives, right? This is a time where you yeah. are forced to self-reflect and really realize what your contribution to the world is. And when you're constantly living in fear, because a lot of us are living in fear because of the coronavirus and finances and all those things, like you kind of really realize, all right, this is what I want to do while I'm still here and I'm granted the opportunity to be here because, you know, I'm not sick or I'm not struggling this and, and going through all these other things. I'm going to utilize it to the best of my abilities. But these are times where, you know, creatives really shine and really, like you said, can kind of sit back and say, you know what? I have all this information. I have all these things. I want to put these things out into the world. But also even for myself, I look at when uh, I don't know if you remember, we had a company, Patrick and I called CP Travels and um you know, it was a travel company. And the whole thing behind that was we wanted to inspire and encourage other black people from back home to get out and see the world because we had been fortunate enough to go out and travel to, I think it was 25 to 30 countries at that time. And every mm -hmm. time we traveled somewhere, we would always say, there's nobody here that looks like us. There are no other black men traveling. Uh, well, not that many. We'd see maybe, I think black men we'd seen at that time, it was maybe five in 25 countries, just black American men like not from Africa or other places like that. So we were like, you know what? Hey, let's do this. But the whole, uh, I'll say that to say the company aspect of it, running the company, like we failed in a lot of ways because we didn't have, like you said, experiences that other experiences that we needed to be able to accurately and, and efficiently run the company successfully. Mm -hmm. But now I look at myself, you know, with the podcast, with having the bar out here, everything that happened with CP Travels in and of itself and the jobs that came after that prepared me for this podcast platform mm -hmm. that I now have, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And for being able to run a bar the way that I run it, it was all those things I needed to learn. So people say, learn from your mistakes and don't be mad or angry that you did something. Like you really can't be. You're gonna have to build from those bad experiences and make something great, which I feel like if I'm quoting you correctly is what you basically said happened with you as well. In some ways, yeah. uh, you know, going through experiences and things that were tough, but not dwelling on them, letting them pull you down, but rather than stepping on them and letting them propel you into something that was amazing. So with your other novels, I know, I know you touched a little bit on the Uncaged novel. Can you talk about the other ones that you published as well and your motivations behind publishing those? Yeah. So the first one is called uh, Shades of Gold. And again, that is the 
that was my very first like manuscript of writing, um, which was also my my senior seminar project in undergrad, which turned into my first book. Uh, the poems in that book really just reflect on my time as a kid, also reflects on my time as a teenager. Um, and then there were some moments where I referenced uh, some experiences from undergrad. Um, but I used, you know, an influx of images to portray, to portray the ideas that I had. Some of them are uh, like dreamscape like poems, only poems that you only poems that you can imagine seeing in a dream. Um, but then I also have the more realistic side to it as well, referencing uh, my grandparents back in the 70s and um, and just referencing myself back in the 90s, being a 90s kid and all. Um, so that, that was a more like it was a fun book, <laughs> uh, so to speak. Um, there were there were some dark moments in there, too, um, but not 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 as much as the next two books. Um, and then the second book, obviously, is Uncaged. Now, my third book I released uh, a few months ago uh, in September. And um, am I allowed to use expletives on this? Uh, on this? Yes. When I publish it, I just put the I put the e next to it. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I wrote a book, and it's called "Stop Fucking Killing Us." Um, and and the title is somewhat abrasive, uh, but very straight and to the point, um, because in 2020, not not even including the years prior, we've seen at least 164 people of color. Uh, killed wrongfully, uh, whether it's by police or by people in in a community who have strong prejudice against people of color. Uh, we've seen at least 164 people. And so um, I was just tired of seeing it every single day. And like, I had to say something about it. And, and as an independent, you know, author, like a self-published author, it's a little bit harder to get that voice out there. Um, mm. But but I was still able to do it. I, I boosted myself a lot on social media uh, to get the responses that I, you know, wanted. Um, now, about 3,000 people, you know, spoke against my book and said that it was a hate, a hate book, basically. Um, but, you know around this time now, especially like with the events of yesterday, uh, some of my poems are like becoming very timely um, because I, I wrote I wrote about a lot of things that were happening in that moment, but I also wrote things that would probably continue on for the next couple of years. Um, you know, and, and one of my poems out of that book called Breakthrough, I, um, I wrote it in memoriam of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Drayshawn Reed, who was killed in Indianapolis, uh, was actually published in August uh, from that collection by another press. So that was that was pretty good to get the word out. Um, but now I'm um, I'm back at it again, um, and I'm about to write. I'm about to have an, a fourth book out by the end of the year called Door of Return, uh, which uh, focuses on the journey of the African diaspora. And how we can, you know, band together in unity to kind of like return to that place um, in a in a cosmological sense, not so much a physical sense, more the 
you know, the, the ancestral sense of returning back to that door. So is it fair to say with each novel that you've published and that you're looking forward to publishing um, in the future that each book tells a specific story and has a specific message that you'd like to send out to the public or inside, inside will we find you kind of uh, separate, separate stories with each poem that kind of reach a different perspective? I think that there are the poems together create the entire story, if that makes sense. But at the same time, the individual stories have their own origin. You know what I mean? It's kind of like uh, okay. like DC or Marvel. Like all of them together, you put all of them together, you get the whole universe. But you know, when you have their own, when they have their own separate movies, they each have an origin story. Um, so I like to I like to think about it that way. If that if that makes any sense at all. So the kneeling, the kneeling center for poetry. Um, what was your journey uh, to creating that and and having that foundation uh, for yourself and for all the people that you're able to reach through it as well? Yeah. So, um, in two at the end of 2019, I I came up with the idea that I didn't just want to release my own poetry. I wanted to. There are plenty of people like me who don't know how to get their work out there, um, don't know who would even want to listen. Um, and so I created the Elevation Review as as a publication for original poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't launched it yet. Um, and so when I came up with the idea for the Neyland Center, I said, okay, the Neyland Center is going to be the nonprofit that discovers and cultivates and enhances Uh, the voices and works of poets worldwide and that the elevation review would be that medium where we could publish um, individual poets work uh, in a, in a, um, in a digital format. So if you're familiar with the poetry foundation, the poetry foundation sends out uh, a, uh, a periodical journal of poetry that they've, uh, received from contributors and it has every person's name in there who's contributed for that issue. All right. And Mm. so the elevation review is a bit similar. And so are other presses that, that do this. Um, But the, the, the difference is for the Neyland center, we know that publication is extremely hard to acquire or to attain. Um, and if you already don't have publications under your name already, it becomes even harder because it's easier to just sift through you. Um, and being and myself being a product of that, like submitting everywhere and everywhere and everywhere and not hearing anything back or always being declined. Like I was like, man, there's got to be a, a better way to go about doing this um, or I can just create the opportunity myself. Um, and so I created the opportunity and after I created the opportunity, I actually got published (laughs) by somebody else, uh, which was, which was funny. I was like, man, I've done all this work and now I'll get published. But maybe that, that was, maybe that was the point. Like you need to create the opportunity, Thomas, for other people. Um, and that'll help you 
get to the point where you need to be as well as an individual writer. So, so far um, with the, with the Neyland Center, we have provided virtual workshops within the past year. Uh, we've had local community events such as uh, a painting and poetry event where we came together like, um, like a wine and canvas type of thing where we painted and we had poetry as influences. Um, hmm. And you could either paint or write poetry or do both. Uh, which was a success back in October. Um, we also had the Letters for Brianna campaign where people wrote letters on behalf of Brianna Taylor and her wrongful death. And we sent them to the attorney general's office in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, that is still a thing that's going on. Uh, we'll be sending those out at the end of every month for those who uh, submit them. Hmm. Uh, and then obviously we have the Elevation Review um, so far, we have two issues that are out digitally, um, and we are working on uh, accepting our new contributors for the February and May issues. Um, we have served approximately, I don't know the number off the top of my head now, but it's approximately a hundred, I mean, not a hundred, a thousand writers over the span of the last year this past year. Um, and, and, and not only just in the United States, we have had contributors from uh, Korea, we've had them from the Philippines, uh, the UK, Saudi Arabia, um, I, I can't think of the others. Oh, can and Canada. So we, we've had quite a few, quite a few other, other places that we've touched. Um, and, you know, as we continue to grow, we just hope to touch uh, uh, myriads of countries, you know, and cities across the globe. So, yeah. So when when you first founded the foundation and you guys got started and you, and you got underway, did you see it going in the many places that it's gone now? And then even with that, where do you see it now that you are where, 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 where you are today? Um, where do you see it going in the future? Um, well... I definitely didn't know that it would grow this fast. I I have an amazing uh, and supportive team of individuals, of board members, who you know are always there to support me in this vision. Um, and and through that, I've been exposed to many people who have just given their time freely to help our organization grow like we should. Uh, and for that, I'm super grateful. Um, and in 2020, we did some pretty cool things. You know, we had donations rolling in, you know, not anything super huge, um, but but we had stuff rolling in on a consistent base, uh, somewhat consistent basis. But in 2021, uh, we've got a lot more processes in place now where, you know, some things we don't have to focus on anymore so that we can focus solely on impacting communities worldwide. Um, and so... With that, we have a couple of partnerships coming up this year. Uh, one of them is coming up in February uh, with Jackson Hole Writers in Wyoming, which is really cool. Well, I'll be giving a workshop on pandemic poetry, which is basically just unpacking all the emotions that come with come from the that came from the pandemic and turning that into powerful poetry. So I'll be doing that on February twenty fifth. Um, and then throughout the summer, we'll be doing our virtual uh, poetry workshops. 
Um, and then there's just a, a ton of other programming that we're that we still have in the works as well. Okay, wow. Like that's again, that is absolutely amazing work. It's it's always good to, you know, to check in and see uh what like whenever I, I I'm on social media and I check out the things that you're doing cuz you just recently or are you looking to launch a YouTube channel? Uh yes. So as as an individual author, I launched a YouTube channel. Um and with that YouTube channel, I have started a series called Poetry Made Simple where hmm. I uh, where I teach very simple uh, basics of poetry. So in the past three weeks, we've gone over how to write haikus, sonnets, and free verse. Um, and and I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for people to understand uh, these forms because what I want to communicate is that, you know, every person has the ability to write poetry. Um mm -hmm. And it's so funny because when people think about poetry, like I've heard, you know, poetry is this thing that has to rhyme or poetry is this like thing that no one understands except for the people who write poetry. And that's not true. Um, you know, it's just that some poetry, you know, was written so long ago that it is just like archaic and newer poetry is more understandable. And so I'm trying to bridge that gap between uh, you know, it being confusing for some people and then it being just like a, a nice, comfortable read, you know, in spare time. Um, so, so that's where I am. And the Poetry Made Simple is so far is doing a really good job of uh, delivering that content in a simple way. And I also provide like a worksheet, um, an interactive worksheet where you can like put your own poetry ideas within that PDF. Um, I've also created a masterclass um, that I will be releasing here shortly. Um, it's up and ready to go. And uh, if people are interested in viewing that masterclass to see how poetry can work for you as easy as possible, uh, all you have to do is follow my YouTube channel at Thomas Neeland Official on YouTube. And what is the, I'm, I'm sorry, and you just said the name of it, right? I did, I can put it in the, in the comments below. Yes, that's what I was going to actually do. Can you put the name of it in the comments? People who actually want to follow it and learn more about poetry can definitely go in and check it out. Uh, so is there anything else you want to talk about in regards to your novels, um, the, the, the Thomas Nealon official on YouTube or the foundation? Uh, anything else you want to mention to us about that or any questions that you have for me as well? Yeah, there, there's a couple other things I want to mention. So if anyone is listening and you have, let's say you're that person who has a ton of poetry and don't know what to do with it, or you're the you're the person who um, has poetry and wants to get it published, but you've had a bad experience with getting published. Maybe you didn't hear back from a publisher or whatever. The Elevation Review is available for you to submit your poetry. Um, now, for this uh, year of issues, we are actually capped off for our. Uh, February and May issues, but when we come back in August with our first issue, um, starting in April, you'll have the opportunity to start getting your poetry submitted uh, to the Elevation Review. So if you're interested, all you have to do is visit theelevationreview.com. I'll also put that in the comments uh, below um, if you want to get your work published. Now, it's not a guarantee that your work will get published, but it's definitely... 
uh, more likely that it will. And if it's not, we don't just tell you that your poetry hasn't been accepted. We will invite you uh, to take advantage of our workshop so that we can make your poetry as good as it can be in order to resubmit and then be considered uh, for publication. Hmm, that's actually an awesome opportunity. I might, I might actually have to put together a few poems. Now, is there like a length requirement to the poetry? Um, do you have to have like a certain number or is it like, you know what, I thought of this bomb poem. I'm just going to submit it to you guys and try to get it published on your website. Yeah, um, so usually uh, you want to submit at least three to five poems. Um, mm-hmm. And you want to have one poem on each page. So you don't, and it's, it's okay if you have one, uh, a poem that goes longer than one page, but you don't want to have more than one poem on one page, if that makes sense. Okay. So like you got to fill up and a then, full page. Is it, is it 12 point font have, or is it like 20 point font? <laughs> it's 12 point <laughs> font, but you don't, you don't have to fill up the page, but if it's longer okay. than a page, that's okay. You know, Okay. just as long as you have the three to five individual poems. Um, and then also we, we don't accept work that was published previously. That does include uh, social media publication by the person who wrote it. Um, just for obvious copyright reasons, like, you know, um, so original poetry that hasn't been published at all, anywhere, no blogs, it's yours. It's been on paper for the past 25 years. That's the poetry that we want. (laughs) Okay. Or if you're you're younger than 25, at least, you know, poetry that's been on paper, not published anywhere. (laughs) This may sound like a silly question. So like a six sentence haiku, because haikus are six sentences, right? I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Uh, like haikus are okay, because those, cause, cause those are the short poems. I remember that from, uh, from my creative, my creative <laughs> friend. So like haikus are three lines long. Ah, I was close. I was, I was, I, I doubled it. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, so even if you had like three haikus, we, we had somebody, we had someone submit uh, like seven no, they couldn't have submitted seven. Like five haikus, and we accepted, I think, all five of them um, because they, they work so well together, and haikus actually serve as a good punctuation uh, for longer poems, so to speak. So. Oh, oh, snap. You said three lines? What? Hey, I could definitely. Yeah. I'm about to go ahead. I'm about to get in the lab and take some of my one-liners <laughs> from other podcasts and put them put them in a, a fine thing, get some of my haikus published. Yeah. I, did, I have started writing. I write on Medium for everybody to listen. I have my articles on Medium. I'm doing a new article oh. coming up about fear. Uh, no, because one of the things that uh, somebody told me last year in 2020, I'm bringing with me into 2021, hey, are you always so positive? Like, why don't you dive into some some darker some darker topics sometimes? I'm like, you know what? That actually that is something I, I usually don't do. So I'm actually starting to do that. And I'm actually... I'm impressed with what I've been able to learn just about myself and uh, tackling mm-hmm. some things that usually I wouldn't I wouldn't touch on and that is um, revolutionary. So I'm not I'm not I'm not joking about the haikus. Like I like I remember haikus and I like them because I had to teach them out here in Taiwan. I don't know if the kids oh, cool. wrote three or six sentences, but you know they, they don't matter. Uh, <laughs> they'll be all right. <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to mention about the foundation, about your novels, or any questions that you have for me? Um, we are always accepting volunteers or for our our programs. Um, and I guess I'll add this too. So we, and this is, well, I guess it's not really for local communities. I guess it could be for all, but we, we have in the works four workshop levels and, and they're designed to 
uh, range from as young as elementary all the way to adulthood. And so these, these four different levels, the bronze, silver, gold, and black quill writers group, um, is designed for people to collectively write a, a poetry collection in a span of weeks. Uh, and what this does is it allows each person who, you know, is in that cohort to have a have hard copy proof that they have contributed to an issue, a journal of some sort. And they can use that as, you know, as their own experience to put on a resume, to uh, to help, you know, propel other work that they may have written or it may inspire them to write their own collection of poetry. Um, and so what that does for like the, you know, the school age individuals is that it allows them to improve their literacy, their writing skills, vocabulary, um, you know, use of imagery, tone, all those uh, literary devices that they would need uh, throughout school uh, that would help them enhance those skills. And then for adults, uh, it would help them to it would help them with the same, um, but more so for them, it helps give them the courage to put their uh, work out there in the open and not be afraid to uh, pursue the dream if they have the dream of you know, you know, writing on the side or writing professionally or whatever. Um, and it and and one other thing that it does is opens up uh, a world of possibility for you know, employment opportunity. So like if you're, if you're developing, you know, your skills in writing, you've come together to create a collaborative work. Um, you know, maybe, maybe two or three kids are going to be on the layout committee of this, this physical journal that's going to be put together. Uh, others may be tasked with putting, putting the graphic design together. Uh, you know, and, the, and those skills that they develop, they can use to, to get employment at a publishing company, at a marketing firm, um, a media company, like all the skills that, for example, all the skills that I've learned so far um, landed me my new job as a content manager for a media firm in Indianapolis. Um, mm. And that's because I, I, was, I, I learned these writing skills. I marketed myself on social media. I created a copy. I wrote articles um, on LinkedIn. You know, I've been marketing the organizations. Like, so all the skills put together um, because of writing uh, led to that. Um, and so there, there's a lot of power in learning how to write effectively, even in a group, even by yourself. Big things, big things. Actually, really, again, it's really interesting to hear. Like you said, it's just how you can take one passion and then it also it spreads out to so many other things that you can do um, in so many other different ways, but still staying true to your passion in, in writing and poetry and, and creation. Again, as creatives, uh, I think sometimes people just fail to realize how many things you're capable of doing um, if you just you know follow your passion and then see, see what happens as a result of you doing that and see how many connections Absolutely. you're able to make and the things you're able to create. Um, it's just, it's, again, it's always amazing to see, especially when, again, you dive into it 110%. You put all distractions aside and you actually go steadfastly towards what you're trying to do. So, again, any, any other announcements that you'd like to share with us? Uh, we're also always accepting donations and support. Um, if you do want to support the Neyland Center, uh, you can find us at thenealandcenter.org. 
Uh, there is a link where you can click to donate. Uh, also, if you are a fan of Cash App, we do have a Cash App because we're hit with the times. And I'll put that Cash App information below if you feel so led to give to our organization. Um, we are a 501c3 uh, organization, which means that any donations that you give are tax deductible to the extent of the law. Um, a, a $30 donation gives us access to be able to publish more poets in our issues each year. Um, and so even the smallest of donations helps. The largest of donations is awesome. Uh, and you also receive um, not only a receipt of your donation, but uh, a personalized letter uh, that thanks you for donating to our organization and uh, lets you know that our organization is taxed. Your donation is taxed. So and I'll put that information in the comments below. And yeah, that's that's it. And if anybody has questions like I'm. You know, you can always reach out uh, Thomas Neeland official on Instagram. I'll put all that good stuff below as well. Yep. And then I will also, uh, you can actually send it to me and I'll, I'll publish it. And when I publish the episode, because uh, you know, if the live audience doesn't see it, they'll definitely see it when I republish it, uh, you know, to the to the non-live audience. Uh, they go and watch the okay. podcast. I'll make sure all those links are available in the description as well. So you can just send those to me. Um, again, but yeah, thank you so okay. much for joining us and talking about all the amazing things that you've been doing. Um, again, I'm and it's definitely an honor uh, and really exciting to have you on. Um, you're an amazing individual. And in addition to that, hey, go Mab. It's almost, go Mab. Ooh, I almost messed it up. It's almost, it's almost our Founders Day. Almost. <laughs> almost our Founders Day. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been a single for how long? I'm trying to count. Right. Uh, 12 Spring 08. Spring 08. So this would be almost my 13. third. Yeah, April. April 1st will be, I'll be 13 years as a member of 586 Attorney Incorporated. I'm actually really excited about it. Um, the bad thing is, like, I coach basketball, uh, but I coach it, like, one. So tonight, you know, tonight it'll be the ninth for me mm-hmm. um, before you guys. So it's like, I have to do my turn up tonight, and I got to do it again <laughs> at noon At noon tomorrow. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait till you guys wake up. But I also coach really early on Sunday. So I'm like, man, it's actually just – it's gonna be bad for these kids. Everybody running laps because I'm not <laughs> Coach Carl not moving. But, but yeah, but but thanks so much for joining the show again. Always good checking in with you. Uh, thanks for all the support um you giving me, and I'll definitely make sure to share everything that you uh, send me my way to the uh, to the audience once I publish the episode. Cool man, thanks so much for having me on. And thanks to everybody for joining. I want to thank thank Thomas one more time for being a part of the show. I'm trying to find it. There it is. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the Black Expat Podcast. My name is Carl. You guys know what time it is. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends, your family. Also, check out my new YouTube channel, the Black Expat Podcast, and my new articles on Medium. And as always, make sure you become a patron of the Black Expat Podcast and support us moving forward. Thank you guys for tuning in. My name is Carl, the Black Expat. We out here.